Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Quicks, I have an important question for you. Would you date a podcast, bro? Oh, God. Never. Never in my life. Why would I do such a thing? <laughs> Men who record podcasts, sir. They're just trash. If you're a man and you report a, you record a podcast, like, do, were you not loved as a child? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Do you just feel the constant need for attention? Look at me. Look at me. Just love to hear your own voice. You just love to hear yourself talk. God. If, if I was a single man and I, I turned on to the New York Times and I saw a headline about women not wanting to date men with podcasts, I, I might have had in a, a, like a crisis of some sort. I, I don't know what I'm going to tell Stacy. How do I break the news? <laughs> I'm a podcast boy. I, I just what read I that article here? and... I, I did come to an understanding that they, they weren't talking about us. I guess there's men who record podcasts to just, I don't know, spout off like really acidine opinions about like, I don't know, man shit. And I think they're just all like wannabe Joe Rogans. Right. Like I, I didn't even know about the concept of a podcast bro until fairly recently, but I I just found it funny. Like they were just using the term men with podcasts, But but I'm a man with a podcast. I'm not that bad. We are gentlemen with podcasts. Oh, I like that. Fly Purbly is a gentleman's podcast. A gentleman's and a ladies podcast. podcast. Sure. A gentleman and a ladies podcast. Well, it's it's a podcast made by gentlemen that can be enjoyed by gentlemen, ladies, whatever whatever pronoun you want to of use course. for yourself. Fly Purbly can be enjoyed by all. Do you want to know a toxic trait of mine? I would love to know a toxic trait of yours. Uh, on top of the pizza orange juice combination, well, I actually listen to the Joe Rogan podcast every once in a while. But let me say this mm. before we go any further. Is this where you got the idea for further. combining orange juice and pizza? Because like I can no. see Joe Rogan oh, going oh, like, God, no. uh, you know, hey, uh, I'm open minded. Let's try it out. You know, I'll try anything. I discovered the pizza orange juice combination from a um, user interface trailer for the PlayStation 4. Excuse me? Yes. There was this guy that like PlayStation like posted a trailer for the new user interface for the PlayStation 4 back when it was first coming out and the trailer had this dude like in this garage with a couch and a TV in it and he was playing PlayStation and he got some pizza and he poured himself some OJ and I was like, "Huh. I'm like I'm going to try that out." And so I did. And it was a terrific experience for me personally. So PlayStation can be added to the war criminal list, which yeah. is unfortunate because I love <laughs> this my PlayStation. Is PlayStation's doing, yeah. Like PlayStation's one of the top five loves of my life. I know. Let me say this. Every once in a while, Joe Rogan will get like a really good guest oh, no. on his podcast. Like a really good, like he had Brian Cox on, who's an astrophysicist. And like, I love, like one, I'll say this about Joe Rogan. He's a total meathead and I don't like him at all. But he's really good at interviewing people. Like he will like ask a question and shut the fuck up and let the other person talk 
until they can't talk anymore, until they've completely answered the question. So like he's good at interviewing people in that way. But it's just like I found that he used to have much more interesting people on his podcast. And now it's just a bunch of people who are like him. And I'm just like, oh, God, like I don't even listen. to. I, I feel like I feel like if you have this opinion talking about like pre-COVID Joe Rogan, I think that's like a fair assessment. Yeah. But ever since COVID, he has had these just anti-vax nuts on and it's morphed into this conspiracy theory. And, you know, again, like he had a little bit of that before, but it feels like I, I, I've never listened to it. This is just based off of like what I get secondhand because I'll always just think of Joe Rogan as the fucking guy from news radio and mm. <laughs> fear factor. Yeah, that's how I think of Joe Rogan. So I've never listened to his podcast, but based on the what I've heard from people, what I've read in the news, like it, it seems like since COVID it's really it's just turned bad. into a real shit show. Yeah, it's, it's gotten, gotten bad. bad because like he's just he's just bringing on a bunch of, like you know the, the epitome of toxic masculinity are the type of people who he's bringing onto the podcast. And I'm like, he had this one guy recently um, who was like a former football player. I can't remember his name, but like all they did was talk about hunting and like how like um, you're like a bitch, I guess, if you like don't if you're like lanky and skinny and i'm like what the oh. fuck so yeah like and i took that personally yeah so, <laughs> not i of course i'm talking about you i would not take that personally because oh, no, 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 no. i am but not like, lanky and skinny but still like i'm just like dude i wouldn't like, call you lanky and skinny i don't know either, i though. it just seems like all the uh um all it's the a weird opinion now are, yeah all the guests now are, are trash he used to have like interesting people and now it's awful yeah i i, I will that curiosity that like, Hey, uh, you know, I'll just listen to anything like that used to manifest itself in getting interesting people. But yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's fair. I think you've made your point as to, uh, why I don't listen to it, it for Joe Rogan. I listen to it for the guests. Let me, I'm not it in it for the Joe Rogan. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, so before we go any further, I believe it's a very special person's birthday today. Oh, is that right? Gritty. Steve, it's, it's you. Oh, wow. It's your birthday. How about that? You're 30 years old. <laughs> I'm 21 years old. You're 21. I'm having my first drink now. Yeah, yeah, this is your first time ever having alcohol. When I turned 21, I didn't have a smartphone. <laughs> Steve, there's only one way to celebrate this. How's that? Happy birthday. Oh, my God. To you. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. To you. Wow, you're going for Happy it. Happy birthday, Mr. Flype. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Wow. <laughs> I'm no. We can't. We cannot. For he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> yeah, we should have done that instead. I'm trying to think of, like, there's a weird moment on the office when uh, they do a birthday episode and like Creed starts doing, they do this like dance around the room dance. Around, and it starts <laughs> yeah. like running in this like little jaunt around the room. And it's it, like, I kind of was about to start doing that, but thank you, my friend. I, I appreciate it. it. Yeah. It has been a long time. It's been a, while been a while since I was 21. Been a while since I was 30. I'm on the other end of that. Now it's very sad. It's marching towards a, uh, a number that nobody really wants to reach, but you know what? I'm going into it with a smile and uh, enjoying life. I'm not there yet, but I'm almost there. It's somebody at work said I was 40 at one point. I'm like, not yet. 
No. Leave me be. No. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been a very it's been a very nice little day. I uh, worked from home today. I'm drinking uh, a little bit of rye right now from uh, Veterans Stadium rocks glass that M got me. It's got like the uh, like kind of the construction blueprint layout for Veterans Stadium with a a 1980s Phillies P on the bottom of the glass. It's uh, pretty lovely. And uh, that's some good yeah. stuff. It is some good stuff. And I'm sitting here and, uh, you know, it's funny, actually, if we're talking 30th birthday, that, I think that was my second year podcasting was my 30th birthday. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It has been a while, as I said, since I've been podcasting and since I was 30. But uh, yeah, thank you, my friend. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I'm having a little bit of a, a block of days to, to celebrate the old birthday. But yeah, it sucks when it's on a Wednesday, but it does. Yeah, but I, I took off Thursday and Friday. Oh, and okay. I, I got some, what was really sweet. And I did not expect this at all was, uh, Kelly Hinkle just sent me out of the blue through DoorDash, some cupcakes, which was like totally unexpected. Isn't she the best? She's the best. I got a ring at my doorbell and I'm like, who the hell is at my door at 7 PM? And she said, check your door. And I'm like, excuse me. And I looked down and there were some cupcakes. A couple of them had like little gritty, like they're not quite stickers, but like a, a gritty thing on the top. It was really cute. So no, there's a, a great gift from Kelly. I mean, M got me some great stuff uh, and the family got me some great stuff. So, you know, just a, another year and keep on keeping on with the podcast, but uh, cheers everyone. And thank you. I appreciate it. And Getting back to the podcast bros, though, just because I, I found this fascinating yes. that this was A, a thing, and B, people were like, I don't want to date a man with a podcast. Listen, we talk about important stuff on this podcast, okay? Like how bad the Philadelphia Flyers are, terrible food combinations, early 2000s new metal, Guy Fieri. Yeah. Important stuff. These are, listen, Joe Rogan ain't tackling this shit. <laughs> we're getting not... the hard hitting topics here, Steve. This is journalism. Yeah. The, oh my God. How we haven't won some sort of award yet? I, a Pulitzer. Happens. Well, wait a minute. What are we talking about? We are an Emmy-winning podcast, Steve. That's true. One of us has won an Emmy, and I was kind of nominated for a Radio Air Award in college for a weird commercial. There you go. We are very go. successful and renowned. Renowned. Let yeah. me tell you, absolutely renowned. But I guess we do have to get into talking about the Philadelphia Flyers, but there's actual news to talk about with the Flyers. Yeah. It's actually huge news, and I'm sure we're all very aware of this news at this point, but Chuck Fletcher, Chucky Two Trades, he's out as Flyers GM, R.I.P.D. Chucky Two Trades, and I, I'm sad to say goodbye to Craig's fantastic nickname for Chuck Fletcher, one of the all-timers right there, and it's bye-bye, bye-bye now. No more Chuck Fletcher, he's out. Danny Briere, Daniel Briere, I guess now, is in as interim GM of the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers, and they don't have a president at the moment, which is just, it's just earth-shattering news. It is earth-shattering news, and you know what, Steve? Before we get any further, we like I know we used to dunk on Chuck Fletcher a lot, but I do think we have to pay our respects to him real quick. So if we could just, real fast. <laughs> R.I.P.D., my friend. Chucky, two trades. He will live on forever in infamy. Listening to whatever... The old timers at the top tell him to do. 
be it getting Nick Delorier or assembling an entire crew to take down the, the capital of the United States. Of course. Yes. Now, you know what? Like, this is just the time for Chuck, you know, like if we were talking about it, like there was no way he was going to survive the trade after his 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 debacle at the trade deadline. Sounds like he wasn't going to survive this summer, regardless of what happened at the trade deadline. Sounds like they were planning on firing him for a while. It just in my big question, and I think everybody's big question is just like, why didn't they do it sooner? Right. I think, you know, a lot people say, oh, well, he wasn't going to do anything anyway. But it's like, you know what, like, if you're if you know, you're going to do it, just do it. Like, why wait? You know what I mean? Like, because I don't know. Like, how good of a job do you do when you know you have an impending layoff coming? Oh, horrible. Horrible job. He's half ass in that shit. Like, of course, he didn't trade anybody. Why would he? Why would he make more than 17 phone calls if he knew he was going to be out of a job come the summer anyway? Yeah, no, exactly. And I just think, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if he, re- believe it or not, I wouldn't be surprised if he thought that he could survive this because based off of some of his comments that he's made, it does sound like he was living in a little bit of a fantasy world, although maybe that was just a like, PR mumbo jumbo, but yeah, no, he's out. He should be out. He did a horrible job as Flyers GM, although the funny thing is, <laughs> and they actually mentioned this on the flagship show the other day, he kind it wasn't all bad for him. The Claude Giroux trade was actually, in hindsight, great <laughs> for the Flyers. Given it was pretty good, given how bad, given like how little the Blackhawks got for Patrick Kane. So like they did, he did pretty good on that trade. Um, and you know, honestly, his first couple years weren't that bad. Like he brought in Justin Braun at a time when he was still pretty effective as a third pair defenseman. He brought in Matt Niskanen, who by all accounts was pretty good for the Flyers. Would you say Niskanen ended up being his best move? One of them, I would think. Would like I'm trying to think about what Chuck Fletcher's legacy is. I'll say I'll say this: the the Voracek Atkinson trade I thought was a good trade. Like, there's good trades, right? Like Voracek Atkinson was a good trade, despite how it worked out. I would make that Ryan Ellis trade. Every time, 10 out of 10 times. Because yes, me too. It is worth the risk, especially given up the play, especially considering the players he gave up in that trade. Phil Myers was really just on a downward slope, and obviously he hasn't worked out for anybody. And Nolan Patrick, I mean, he's just, he's just not, he's, he's done. not going to be healthy enough. I don't he's think done. he's, he's just, playing any again. Like, I really I don't, don't think he is either. Yeah. And he needed a change of scenery regardless. So, I take that swing at Ryan Ellis and it's a shame it didn't work out, but I make that move and like, there are good moves. Um, Hayes was mixed, right? Like yeah, I, I was... like the swing yeah. at the time at Hayes at bringing in a, a number two center to support Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux. Like it almost worked out, but now it's really not working out, even though he's putting up pretty good offensive numbers this year. And I would say, honestly, Niskanen might be his best move because it was one that we thought was pretty minor at the time, but actually gave that Flyers team a legitimate number, you know, first defensive pairing. Like, Provorov and Niskanen just flat out worked together. Yeah, to, to me, that trade, um, or uh, excuse me, the acquisition of Niskanen. What did they trade for Niskanen? I can't even remember. It's been a while. It's been a been while. A, wow, Radko Gudis. Oh, is, yeah, that's right. Was it one for one with some salary retained or was there 
Was there a pick involved? I'm trying to remember that aspect. I do not remember. But yeah, I thought that was a good trade for them. Um, I thought the, again, I thought the Borchek Atkinson trade was good. And I think the Claude Giroux trade was good. And that's, that Claude Giroux trade was not an easy trade to pull off. And I think he did. Um, but it's just three of your dozens of moves cannot, like, if that's a, it, if that's all you did, that's bad. Like, that is not good right. at all. I- and mostly those are those are drops in the bucket. Like if you yeah. look at the big swings that he took, like trading Shane Goss to spare in They didn't even order, trade him, they just gave him away. That's really what but it they, was. But they but they they added picks to it. So unfortunately it was a pick a second round pick, I think there was more, and Goss to spare for nothing. Yeah, they, they gave a second rounder, a seventh rounder, and ghost to the coyotes, and they got nothing in return. That was just charity. They got nothing. Well, it was charity in order to, and again, that's fine. In order, in order to get Rasmus Dislinen. Right. If it's part of a grand design to improve the team, to sign somebody that would really be a difference maker, I get that. But his his big move here, his trump in the hole here, you know, his ace, or ace in the hole, rather, his trump card, is, it was Rasmus Ristolainen, yeah. who, okay, fine. You make the move for Rasmus Ristolainen. He's played with Buffalo his entire career. Maybe we can change him. Maybe we can make him better with our, I guess, better systems in Philadelphia, which obviously it didn't work out. And the worst move there, and I think we all agreed on Broad Street Hockey and the Slack on this, was that, okay, you made the trade. It didn't work out. Trade him away. Didn't trade him away. And then he signed him to this extension that I looked at Sometimes I forget that the Flyers have Rasmus or Stalinen signed for a few more years. And I looked on Cap Friendly, and yes, there is an entire presidential term left of Rasmus Ristolainen as a Philadelphia Flyer. I remember the day the that extension was given out, and I was just baffled the entire I couldn't I truly could not believe it. And that move is gonna it's gonna haunt the Flyers for years. Unless the new general manager can pull off a miracle. It feels like this is going to be something that the Flyers just have to live with. And that's bad. Yeah, I think they are going to have to live with it. And it's bad. And it's bad. It's bad. And he's he's just, unless Tortorella can, I don't know, magically transform him. And there was a bit here this season where we said, hey, he's gotten better under Torts. That was an illusion. Because he's clearly regressed back to the Rasmus Ristolainen we know, and, and the love ain't the word for that right there. Eddie, it's it's so painful. So we've got Ristolainen, the D'Angelo move. I didn't like it, just obviously because I don't like Tony D'Angelo. But on top of that, just as a hockey, he's move, bad it's at a hockey. Bad move. Yeah, he's just not. He's a hockey. terrible defender. Much in it's now a Flyers tradition to have just some of the worst defenders in history like we all complained about Gostas Bear and they said okay fine here's Keith Yandel no not good uh before that there was uh Eric Gustafson Gustafus to Electric Boogaloo terrible terrible defense and now we've got D'Angelo just some of the worst defensemen defending you have ever ever seen and for a bit, you could have argued early in the season when D'Angelo was uh, among the Flyers' points leaders that, yeah, the the negatives 
uh, you know, the, the positives outweigh the negatives with this guy because he is scoring a bunch. He is contributing positively. But if you look at any of the advanced numbers at this point, like his defense is so abysmal that it completely negates and overrides everything he does on offense. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just, he's not, he's just not the cornerstone player that Chuck Fletcher thought he was getting. And I don't know what he, like, I'm not even sure he thought he was getting a cornerstone player. Maybe he just thought like, oh, well, he's a Philly guy. Let's bring him in. And even if that's the case, then that's just as insane as thinking that Tony D'Angelo is a good, like, complete defenseman. I I would love to know the actual, like, did they actually think that when we all said we wanted Johnny Gaudreau, they said, well, we can just give him the store brand, Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. And it'll be just as good because we're bringing somebody home. Did they think that was going to make people happy? Cause if they did, they were completely delusional. And I really think they might've thought that this would be a homecoming, even with the warts and all. No, I agree. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's impossible to say exactly what they were thinking because in, as we have said for the last for months now, it, who knows what the flyers actual plan was. It just felt like they they were directionless. And I, I, I can't even begin to fathom what they were possibly thinking when they brought in Tony D'Angelo and what, what their rationale was for believing that that was a good move, but it happened and it happened. But like any other notable, like real failures on Chuck Fletcher's part. I know we, we touched on Kevin Hayes. That contract is a beast at this point. And we'll be lucky if contract, I, I don't know. I think it's too early to, to judge that it's a modest raise from what he was making previously. And frankly, with the cap going up over the next few years, if Sanheim can get back to his previous level of play, I'm not as concerned about that. one. It's not the cap hit that bothers me. It's the term. The term is like eight years. He won't become a free agent until 2031. Right. But Travis Sanheim, I mean, I'm trying to look up right now. Travis Sanheim is 26 years old. Right. So this will take him through what is supposed to be his prime. So as long as Travis Sanheim can bounce back next year and play at a high level for the next like couple years after that, like I'm not, I don't know. I'm not overly concerned about that one. Right. I think my issue is that why did you, why sign him then at the very beginning of the season? I, I just don't understand re-signing somebody in the middle of a season unless they are like a absolute it was it was early on in the season it was before the first game it was hours before the season opener yeah well i don't understand why a guy who's on the hot seat at least according to the fan perspective is allowed to sign anybody to a contract like that like that's one of the things that i find legitimately insane about the setup that the flyers have in the front office where there are guys that like it seems apparent to everybody but apparently the flyers organization that these guys are on the hot seat and they're allowed to make deals like this. Like, why are you allowed to do this? And then between that and then Fletcher's whole part in the Provorov pride night debacle, where that was bad, you know, Fletcher and Torts had an opportunity to talk to the business side and really nip this in the bud. And they didn't. And it turned into just a disaster that, is now affecting other teams in the league. Right. And it's just been a, a whole thing where if they had known weeks in advance, the Flyers could have altered their plans. You know, it's a whole thing. That's a failure by Chuck Fletcher. And he really, he had some minor good moments. And frankly, if things work out differently in the 2019, 2020 season, 
if we're in this magical land where COVID-19 doesn't happen or where the Flyers bounce back in the bubble and play strong against the New York Islanders and pass them by and Elaine Vigneault, like the, the locker room doesn't end up hating Elaine Vigneault's guts. Maybe we're cooking with gas. Matt Niskanen doesn't lose his luster for the game. You know, all this stuff, like there are a lot of what ifs and there's a lot of what ifs with the injuries. But ultimately, he failed at building a hockey team. He failed at taking Ron Hextall's Flyers the next step he was supposed to. I, I compared him to Pat Gillick before in the role he was brought in. For those not aware, Ed Wade was the Phillies GM before 2008. And then Pat Gillick was brought on to take the Phillies to the next level. They kept being on the cusp of making the playoffs, but not quite. And then Gillick comes in, they won the World Series, and then they, you know, unfortunately, Ruben Amaro Jr. came in after that and didn't quite continue everything, but Gillick got them over the hump. And they were hoping Chuck Fletcher could be that guy to get them over the hump, and he just he just hasn't been. I mean, you know, I thought of one other positive trade. Uh, I think the Wayne Simmons trade was almost really good for them because it got Ryan Hartman back. Yeah. And... If he had just held on to Ryan Hartman, he actually would have had some guy who could pot some goals. But right. instead, well, he, the thing he with flipped Ryan him Hartman for the liquor of like pits. Like and, he's playing you know, a role in Minnesota that he would not have played in Philadelphia, I don't think. I don't know if he yeah, would have played a first-line, second-line role. I think oh, he would have I, been I, clearly a bottom six checking forward if he stayed in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia? You think the Flyer on this current team? Absolutely not. Oh, on this current team, yeah. But back then, I don't think he would have been a yeah, top but, six forward. I liked him. I, I thought he had some good grit, man. I, I did too. I thought he was hitting guys. I thought he had some good ability. I was really shocked when they didn't keep him. And then they got Tyler Pitlick. I thought that was just a bad, mis- you know, an error in judgment on Chuck Fletcher's part because P- Tyler Pitlick, while a fine player at he the time. He wasn't bad, yeah. He wasn't bad, the liquor of Pitts, but he ultimately was the liquor of Pitts. You know, he was not a great player. But uh, the same could be said about Ryan Hartman at the time too. Like, but what Ryan I'm trying Hartman to say is like, popped off as a member of the wild like right but shouldn't chuck fletcher be able to see these latent abilities in people instead of flipping them for lesser talent in tyler pitlick i think it's a failure and i'm gonna call it a failure because i thought at the time he should have kept hartman and i was right i'm smarter than chuck fletcher is what i'm trying to say i i mean i think just about anybody would have is a little bit smarter than Chuck Fletcher when it comes to running. Would back. you have kept Ryan Hartman over Tyler Pitlick? Oh, I definitely would have. I definitely would have. Right. You definitely would have. But I also, like, I also want to admit that, like, if the Flyers keep Ryan Hartman, he's probably not having a 65 point season like he had last season. But you don't know that. I don't know that. But I'm willing to. You would have. But what I'm trying to say is you would have bet on more talent. And Chuck Fletcher didn't. Yeah. No. Again, and Chuck I Fletcher has done this time and time again. He doesn't bet on talent. He goes for these like intangibles. Like, you know, Kevin Hayes. I love Kevin Hayes, right? But like, he's the guy who was brought in for for size and locker room personality, right? He could have. And by the way, Kevin Hayes could have been the perfect piece to bring in Johnny Gaudreau. And then he's like, I don't really want this small guy who could score goals. What's the point? And now we're talking about shipping Kevin Hayes to Columbus to be with Johnny Cadreau. Right. So eat Arby's. How the turntables, Steve. How, How the, the turntables. turntables. <laughs> but, I, you know, Chuck, we we knew you too well. And you're out. And I don't want to talk about you ever again, except I'll be talking about you every week for the next the 15 time. years. <laughs> All the time. We have no choice. But now we have to talk about Danny Briere, who, man, talk about a week. For old Danny B, yeah, really. who 
went from getting may not not the best job. Like I I don't know if the Flyers' job opportunity is uh, really one that a lot of people are clamming clamoring for right now. But this is a good opportunity for him to at least in the interim role get a little bit of the feel for the role and everything. And then they had a, when was the, the press conference was at a bizarre time, right? It was like early in the morning. It was, was it Sunday, Sunday morning? Yes. <laughs> Sunday morning. They Rain had a pod- is falling. <laughs> they had not a podcast. They had a press conference on Sunday morning. They released this news before I could finish editing the podcast on Friday morning. And it's just very early. They're, they're not working with my, my lazy night owl lifestyle here. Right. Yeah, no, and that was because I was in, I was in D.C. that Saturday night to go to a little punk show at this place called the Black Cat, and um, we got back in Richmond at about one a.m. something like that, and we were just tired because the whole day, like me and my like I helped my girlfriend move earlier that morning, and then as soon as we were done moving, we drove up to D.C rocked out for four hours and then drove back down. So we were just beat. I, we, <laughs> I didn't my friend, really, that is an exhausting day. It, it I'm was, tired just listening to your story. It was very exhausting. But we drove back down and I didn't realize that the whole daylight saving time thing was happening that night. Like I didn't realize we were losing an hour in the day. Oh, you lost the hour of sleep on top of that. So we woke up at noon. <laughs> and Which, then, by the way, makes this flyer's timing for the press conference even more insane to make it early morning on daylight savings time day. Like just bonkers. Yeah, I think he did it at like 9 a.m. or something. That's just cruel and unusual early. punishment. Yeah, early on a Sunday. They're just trying to punish the reporters over here. But... Yeah, I mean, Danny B, get and let me say this. Like, I know a lot of people are saying, well, we don't know he's going to get the job. It sounds like he's probably going to be the GM. He was groomed for this role. They've been talking about this for a bit. And frankly, somebody's got to get their start somewhere. And right. this team needs to be ripped to the nuts and bolts right now. So why not give him the shot? It's just funny, like the week he's had, because he went from being just, you know, the assistant GM to the interim GM. And now he's one of the top stories in the hockey world because of some shit his son did. I know. Yeah. And that's that's like a frustrating thing for me or, well, I guess for him, too, because like it's like it's not really Danny Briere's fault. No, it's not his fault at all. I'm like, sure people just because think... his son did an incredibly shitty thing, which yeah. if you're not aware of what his son did, his son, there was, a, I believe the story was there was, he was at like a party or a bar or something. And there was a girl in the bathroom and he saw an empty wheelchair and he just threw it down a flight of stairs, like the biggest dick move you can think of. And it was the girl in the bathroom's wheelchair. Yeah. And... I don't know. Like people are angry at Danny Briere for it. And it's just like, why? He didn't do it. Like, yeah, his shitty son. I feel like people are saying like, oh, well, he's he must be a bad father. And if he's a bad father, that must be mean he's a bad person. And if he's a bad person, I don't want him to be the GM of the Flyers. Like that's I feel like that's what people are thinking. And like, listen, good people can have shitty kids. Look at Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. His parents seemed nice. They seemed nice, but they played mind games with him. He was not the favorite. And also Jesse turned out to be a good person. Sometimes, I thought he. I thought in the end he ended up being a good person. He had a good arc. He had a good arc. He had a good there. heart. He had a good heart and a good arc. But yes. <laughs> just well, I you know we were talking about like we've compared him to Howie Roseman and stuff, or not compared him to Howie Roseman. We're saying like 
I don't necessarily need him to be a good person to be a good GM. And it's one of those things, like, I I feel cursed with knowledge sometimes about athletes where, like, I wish I knew less about most athletes these days because I don't really want to know the political leanings of most athletes and everything. So, like, I don't really necessarily need him to be a good father to be a good GM. Like, do I want him to be a good father? Sure. Do I want his kids to not throw wheelchairs down flights of stairs unnecessarily? Absolutely. But that doesn't affect his GM job at all. It's just like, I feel bad for the guy because he clearly wants to focus on his job and his son does does an incredibly shitty thing. How, it's on the son. It's not on him. How flyers is this, though? Like, no, they it's just, flyers. They, like, <laughs> the flyers have just gotten so much negative attention from, like, the, the Zamboni fumes to the Pride Night incident. And now this is how... And it's just like the fucking... Just... This is literally the season from hell. We thought we had it bad before when it was the Dave Haxtell season and the, the seven goalie season. No. No, 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 no. We thought... We had it lucky then. This is actual hell this season. And like... It's just, it really is the cherry on top for this to happen the same week. Not even, not even, not even a week. Days since Danny Briere gets the interim GM job, his son pulls this shit. And it's just like, it's really remarkable, honestly. I can't, it's hard. It's honestly stunning. You couldn't, if you wrote this, you'd be called a lazy writer. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you used the wrong term, by the way. You called it the season from hell, but Tortorella actually had the term for it yesterday when he called it this godforsaken season, which (laughs) this might be the most Tortorella quote I've ever heard. I don't have the full quote in front of me, but I just know he was talking about the season and he's talking about the effort guys have given and saying, like, despite everything, despite all the challenges this season, the effort's been there every night. But he said, this season, this godforsaken season. And it was just such a, like, biblical thing for yeah. Torts to say. Just, a, a candid, like, candid in a way no Flyers coach has ever been, which is what you expected from John Tortorella. And if you think about some of the names the Flyers have had at coaches, at coach, head coach over the years, Mike Keenan, Roger Nielsen, Terry Murray, who flat out said his team had a choke job and got fired for it. Ken Hitchcock, you've had some candid fucking guys. Pat Quinn, right? You have had some candid guys. Elaine Vigneault. And Tortorella is the only one who came out and said this godforsaken season. Yeah, it's just like, and it's a very torts thing to do. He said it in a very torts way. Like, it's just, listen, he keeps saying that the players have not packed it up. And it, by all accounts, it doesn't appear that they have. It appears like, especially after um, last night's game against the, uh, um, oh God, who, uh, Vegas. The Vegas um, Golden Knights. Come on, Vegas. how can you forget the Vegas Golden It's Vegas, baby. Come My on. old team. Your old team. There you go. Like, you can't say they packed it in because they were down three to one in that game. And four they to came one. back. Four to one. And what did they they came back and made a four to three and then they lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like Nick Sealer scored one of the top five NHL goals of the year last night. Nick fucking Sealer. Yeah. Out of nowhere. I lost my mind watching it. Like, it's just one of those things that you don't expect to see. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I can't believe what I still can't believe what I saw. I have to go back and watch the replay over and over again to like <laughs> remind myself that it actually happened. Like, he just morphed into Connor McDavid out of nowhere. And it really was a Connor McDavid-esque goal. Yes, it, it was. It was just the, the silky mitts on fucking Nick Sealer here. 
unbelievable. I can't believe he scored such a good goal. I still wouldn't call it the goal of the year because it was Nick Sealer. I just can't give him that satisfaction. For the Flyers, it was. Oh, it was for the Flyers, 100%. But in the NHL as a whole, I'm sure Connor McDavid, who does this nightly, has had a more impressive goal. But for Nick Sealer, this is a... He he couldn't believe it. Did you see Nick Sealer's face in the pictures? I know. He couldn't believe he did that. He surprised himself. It was... And it's not like, you know, like... It's not like this is some nobody that he deked out of his skates. Like, that's Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore is a good defenseman. Like, really good. And he just he may, he toyed with him. And Jonathan Quick, say what you will, he's not what he was. Definitely not. He's very washed. But, like, he made Jonathan Quick look silly, too. And Braden McNabb, like, it was just he cut through the defense and just danced around everybody. And that was, yeah, I can't. Nick Sealer. I got to say. Nick fucking Sealer. I like Nick Sealer. Do I, I like Nick him Sealer's enough fine. that I want him on the team beyond the season? No, not really. I wouldn't be sad at all if they trade Nick Sealer. But if they keep Nick Sealer for like a couple more seasons at like a low discount, I would not be mad about that at all. He seems like a good dude. Seems like a good locker room guy. Like, um, I don't know. I don't dislike Nick Sealer. I feel like a lot of people like just pile on him because it's just like, oh, he sucks. He's a third seventh defenseman or whatever and it's just like he's not that bad the flyers have much worse defensemen than nick sealer right now and they're playing every night <laughs> nick sealer's fine he's he's absolutely fine i would trade him I, I i don't really care about nick sealer but he's been he's been fine you know like and that was an outstanding goal so i'll, I'll give it up to nick sealer on those fronts but uh just going back to to danny briere here just w- what an uphill battle this guy has ahead of him and he has the interim tag right now they don't have a president at the moment and there have been some names thrown out there some early names who knows who the president's going to end up being and i do, do you know what a president of a hockey team does so i was learning more about this the other day so the gm of course is in charge of the personnel like the roster the coaches um stuff like that Um, And then the president also has a little bit of say in both of those things, but it's mainly the GM's role. Apparently the president of hockey ops, it's their job to have the communication going between hockey ops and the higher ops, like the CEOs, the owners and stuff like that. That's I, that's what, how it was described on um, I believe it was the, I can't remember if it was Jeff Merrick or if it was Elliot Friedman who described it that way. Yeah. But evidently the the way it works, like the general manager is like from them down is is their responsibility. And for the president of hockey ops, it's them up and they're trying to keep the relationship with everyone above them. So it's a it's an interesting, interesting role, it sounds like. That's a much better definition than what I found, because what I found made it sound like it wildly varied from team to team. I think <laughs> exactly it does what too. I do think yeah. it does vary, honestly. Yeah. Because it sounds like in some cases, like they oversee the GM, and in some cases, they're just kind of like there sitting in an office staring yeah. at a wall. And then in other cases, they're Chuck Fletcher, who's apparently doing both jobs for some reason. Yeah, that's always so dumb to me. I will never understand why someone would be the GM and president. Like, that's just wild. It just, it seems like you really, you know, like. I think the Flyers have too many cooks, but you should have a clear president and a clear GM. Yes. And Chuck Fletcher clearly wasn't working for him in all those regards. But uh, there's been some names thrown out there. 
you know, there's been some names. So uh, some of the names I've seen, I don't know if you have any to add here, but I've seen Ray Shiro out there. And that's a guy who Flyers fans should be very familiar with from the name Shiro. And he was with the Devils. He was with the Penguins. So he's got experience. I don't know if it's the kind of experience we necessarily want in here, influencing Danny Briere. But, you know, it is a name with experience. I saw Chris Pronger's name out there. I know he worked with the Florida Panthers. I know he worked in the league office. So he's got some executive experience. Apparently he puts out these like threads on Twitter now. And that's what Chris Pronger's doing these days. But I don't know as far as being the president of the team. Uh, I know he can throw a mean elbow and I know he can steal pucks that uh, Patrick Kane will never find. And that's a shame. And uh, I've seen Eric Lindros's name out there, which I don't think I don't know about eric lindros having any executive experience i find this kind of a weird one that kind of seems like a wave to the people we need a popular guy in the front office and everybody loves eric lindros i don't want to hate eric lindros like i do with like i don't hate bob clark but bob clark the executive has done so many things that has tarnished my opinion of bobby clark the amazing flyer i don't want that feeling with eric lindros Right, yeah. And like like you said, Eric Lindros doesn't have any experience really in like as an executive in the NHL. Um I mean if if he does, I am completely unaware of it. Um but it, it just I feel like the Flyers right now, like they need someone who's been around to be the um president. Just because I feel like like listen, if you're gonna I'm not I have no problem with them giving Danny Briere, the the full-time GM title. I think he's going to get the full-time gig as GM. I really do. And I'm comfortable with that. I think between what I've mentioned before about him actually having fucking played hockey in the century and him being a, a younger guy and like the work he did with Travis Konechny to kind of fix his game and him at least knowing what an advanced stat is without necessarily saying, hey, shut up, nerds. Like, there's a lot of things that are pro- Danny Briere taking on this gig for me. Right. Yeah. No. And I agree, but I do feel like it would be good to have someone in charge of hockey ops. Who's like kind of been around a little bit longer, maybe an older guy. And I just don't feel like Eric Lindros would quite be the guy that you want. I feel like you want someone who's kind of been in a front office before. Um, Not a ton of experience, but like someone who just, I don't know. it, It just feels like Lindros is, not it, something feels just weird about it yeah it it feels a little it feels very much like a fan service kind of option right there yeah it does and yeah pronger i can see because pronger, pronger has that executive experience he does and he's he's a very from what i can tell he's a bright guy um i feel like he could be an interesting candidate um but also it's terrifying just because the whole you know it's, it, apparently he's not the biggest fan of the analytics and yeah like, like you that. hear about florida and kind of them just kicking all the nerds out of the room and all that like it's i don't like that stuff but right. you know it's i'm not willing to write him off necessarily right now but I, I think it's a name that makes a little bit more sense than lindros right now now there are a few more names that i've heard rumored so let me let me just throw some of these out there at you right now so one of them's a mysterious mustachioed gentleman named robbie lark okay not much is known about Robbie Lark, but he he is missing a few teeth, okay? And he he seems like a nice enough guy. He seems very knowledgeable about hockey, but there's just something about him that I don't think he's necessarily the guy for the job. 
There's also the fat guy with all the Philly sports tattoos. He's one of the candidates for Flyers president. I He's got my vote. Yeah. And finally, finally, your, your last candidate here, and you guessed it, Fred Durst. Oh, I mean, Steve. How he's not the front runner right now is baffling to me. <laughs> he is truly a jack of all trades. You know, if you need somebody to break stuff, if you need somebody to break this club down to its nuts and bolts, it's Fred Durst. Fred Durst, what do you think of the Flyers' two-game winning streak? Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. There you go. It, it, he's perfect for he sound He wants bites. to keep on rolling. He wants to keep the winning, winning streaks rolling, and perhaps even the losing streaks rolling if they're going through this rebuild. I would love for the losing streak to just roll on through the rest of the season because they're actually in better position right now than I thought they were going to be. They're a bottom five team right now, folks. Yeah. Okay, I'm not trying to get too excited about this, but... You know, it's they've got a tough schedule the rest of the way. All right. They're bottom five. I, you know, I think maybe Carter Hart just needs to sit out the rest of the season. We might be cooking. <sighs> Feels like he's coming back. They just. Has... Well, you know what? Even with him back, even yeah. with him back, this team is not very good. And they no. just need to I, I, listen. I want most of you guys to be happy. Okay. But just make me happy by losing. It, and honestly, that's kind of the point or that's kind of the place where a lot of fans are now is like fans are like absolutely rooting against the Flyers, which makes sense because like you want the lottery odds. But at this point, it's like how much can how far can they really fall given just how bad the bottom three teams in the league are? Hey, Chicago beat the Boston Bruins yesterday. They did. They did. They scored six goals on the Boston Bruins, who have been by far the best team in the NHL this year. The Blue Jackets beat the Lightning in four games. So the Flyers are currently at 59 points. They are five points ahead of the Anaheim Ducks. They are seven points ahead of Chicago. And they are eight points ahead of San Jose. And they are 10 points uh, ahead of the Blue Jackets. Okay? So... You know, it's not the greatest chance of falling into the bottom three, but they're it. You're telling me there's a chance, right? There is. Tell me there's a chance. There is a chance they could, if they get in the bottom three, I will be very happy because even if they're not necessarily going to get Connor Bedard, okay, they haven't been blowing it for Bedard as much as I want them to, but they still could get within shooting distance, right? And if you're in the bottom three, there's a real good chance you get that pick. And even if you don't, this is a great draft, okay? Even if they get, like, the fifth, sixth pick, they're going to gr- get a great player. Yes. Yes, they are. Like, this entire class is lauded for its depth. Um, you know, you got... It's hilarious because a few years ago, Matvey Mishkov was considered, like, one of the crown jewels. This was going to be the Matvey Mishkov... Connor Bedard draft. And now no one's even talking. Well, I shouldn't say no one's talking about Mishka, but like, it feels like he might not even be a top five pick because he's Russian. And it's like, that's the kind of player you want to take a swing on and take a chance on because he's that good. He's incredible for a 17 year old over in Russia. He's playing in the KHL or he was playing in the KHL. I think he got loaned down to the VHL. Um, But he's, outstanding he's got potential to be one of the next premier goal scorers in the nhl um and at this point if you're the flyers like why not 
You know, if this is a multi-year rebuild, why not? Why not go for it? You know, if he's if they are at five or six and Mishkov's still there, take a flyer on him. I know it might be a couple of years because he's still under contract in the KHL for a couple more years, but like, I think it's worth the wait. I think it's worth the risk. Um, that's something that a good team would do. I'm a little terrified of the political situation there. It's scary. Everything that happened with Fedotov, but I need this team to take swings at talent because there's so many players that they've gotten that are pretty good players, right? Like their ceilings are just not that high. And there's a lot of like Tyson Forrester just made his NHL debut. Love that. Super excited for Tyson Forrester. I'm really excited for Cutter Gauthier. I love what I've heard about him coming up. Forster's looking good. He almost yeah. scored his first goal. He came very close. And like Cam York, he's obviously not Cole Caulfield, who is awesome. And I wish they had drafted Cole Caulfield, but Cam York has probably been the Flyers best defenseman this season. Yeah. Now, and here's just another thing like defensemen, it takes a little bit longer for them to really, truly get their sea legs as NHLers. Like I'm happy with how things are going for Cam York. Is he going to be this, you know, stalwart defensively? No, he never will be that. But like, I'm happy with what I'm seeing. He's definitely proving to be a competent middle pairing defenseman. Maybe he'll be a number two one day. I don't think he'll ever be a number one defenseman. I hope I'm wrong, but um, I think and that's can, fine. Yeah. I think a number two is a really valuable one to have as long as you're not overvaluing him like with Ivan Provorov. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, no, like it's, it's good to see Cam York playing well. And like, they got some, they got a lot of really good young guys right now. Like you mentioned, Cutter Gauthier is playing well in college at Boston college. And then, you know, I mean, there, there are so many people kind of have rated the flyers prospect pool as like kind of mid, but the guys they have in the system who are good are really good. Um, and Forrester, you got to like what you're seeing. Desnoyers, he's, he was a little invisible in his other um, – his first game was solid, but his other few appearances weren't as great. Um, but, again, he's like, what, 21? Like, not everyone's – not everybody's Jack Hughes or Austin Matthews where they're just immediately ready to come into the NHL. Um, some guys take a little bit of extra seasoning, and I think it's good to have them down there in the um, in the AHL with the Phantoms. Um but yeah, I think the Flyers have some good young pieces and like, will they all pan out? No, that's not how it works. It never works that way. But at least right now, like the covers aren't completely barren. They, they're not bereft of talent. They have some talent in the system and they're going to get more because they have a really high pick this year. They are going to have two picks next season. And one could imagine that uh, the their own pick next season is going to be quite high. And I believe the Panthers pick next season, who knows, like given how they've been playing, that could be high too. Um, just high enough that they, you know, don't have uh, to postpone it because it's a lottery victory or something like that. But yeah, it's uh, the flyers are not in a bad place in terms of young talent. I can say that. There's very little, good news these days but the the little good news i can give you is the flyers have the potential for some framework for the next good flyers team in place like they do have players that could be part of that team but when you're talking about big swings like you need those top of the lineup guys in there you know you don't know who the like ho- hopefully cutter Gautier is one of those guys and honestly 
I love what I've seen out of Owen Tippett. Could Owen Tippett be one of those guys? I, there's a possibility, man. He could score some goals, man. He he takes a lot of shots. He really makes some smart plays. There are guys that could be part of that team, right? But they do need more guys that need to be like top sixers, you know, top pairing defenseman guys. Like they need to take some swings. They need some goddamn talent. And this is the draft where you got to take a swing. You got to go for the talent. So I, I, I would be delighted if they're in the number one spot. It's a no brainer, Bedard. but if they're top five, I'll be pretty happy, man. Like this is a great draft to be top five. Yes, it is. Yeah. There's a lot of really good players this year. And you said it before, no matter who the Flyers get in the top five, it should be, they should end up being a good player. Now, granted, we said the same thing back in what, 2016, when it was the Patrick and Heischer draft. Sure. And but we that wasn't like, a deep oh. draft. That was kind of, we, we thought it was, well, it's funny because like, we thought, oh, this isn't a great draft. And then it turns out like, Heischer's been pretty good. Patrick, obviously, we don't want to talk about it. And then there's Kale McCarr, who might be an all-timer. Right. And there's also Heeskinen, who's been fantastic. Yeah. Like, there, there's been some great players drafted after the top two. And that's the thing. Like, that's what's scary about the draft is, like, sometimes you think, oh, like, no matter who you take in the top five, it's a slam dunk pick. And then it just doesn't work out. And that player's out of the NHL in four or five years. Like... That's that's the scary thing that you face, especially when you're banking on like the draft and the young players. Um, but that's where the Flyers are right now, and like maybe it'll pay off, maybe it won't. But like at this point, you have to just have hope that they're going to pick the right people in the draft, and whether that be, I imagine if they got lucky and got Bedard. But if it's it, whether it's Bedard, Fantilli, uh, Leo Carlson. Um, there's a bunch of, uh, Mishkov, like any of those players, it would be, honestly, those are as close to slam dunk picks as you can get. Um, if you're picking in the top five in the NHL draft, this leads me to ask, what are Danny Breer's top priorities? Because he's got to get working soon. He's got to get into it. He's got to get into the nuts and bolts and let's, let's pretend for now, like he is going to be the guy moving forward. Like we all seem to think he is. Well, this is a convenient time to ask this question, Steve, because a certain someone wrote a story the other day for BroadStreetHockey.com entitled Five Things at the Top of Danny Briere's To-Do List as General Manager. Oh, wow. And basically, to me, these two, these five things, it comes down to this. So, and it's all pretty obvious, but I feel like this is what it's going to take for the Flyers to return to, like, competitive, like, you know, playing competitive hockey. Um, and we've talked, touched on this a little bit before, but acquiring future assets, whether that's draft picks or young players, I feel like the flyers, like we were just talking about, they're doing a good job of like having the young kids play. Um, you know, Cam York is playing well. Owen Tippett's playing really well. We're seeing some good stuff from the, from the kids who are in the AHL. So that's great. Um, but there's no reason to stop there. You got to keep, keep keep filling the cupboard with more young talent. And luckily, you know, with this pick this year, it sounds like they're going to end up doing that. Um, and then you just, I feel like they need to stock up on draft picks. Like right now, the Flyers don't have an overwhelming amount of draft picks the next couple drafts. And that's going to have to change if, if they're trying to do this the right way. Like Danny Briere has said multiple times, we need to do this the right way. It's going to, it's a multi-year process. 
Sounds like a team that's about to be building through the draft. So um, acquiring draft capital by trading away players like Ivan Provorov, um, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny, even Carter Hart, even. That's how you get some serious draft capital. Um, so that's something big that the Flyers could do to help turn this ship around. Number two would be clear cap space by any means necessary. And that obviously trading away Kevin Hayes and um, Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov, that would help a lot. Um, but like there, there are things you can do. Sometimes you, you know, instead of signing a grizzled vet who's been in the league for a while to like a $3 million contract to play on the third line, maybe instead bring up a cheap younger option who's like still trying to make a name for himself in the NHL. That's an interesting one because that was one of the big flaws of Ron Hextall was getting like Dale Vise and stuff like that. The Dutch Gretzky, yeah. like getting these players that just were not anything to write home about instead of giving younger players a shot. Like one of the things I, I one of the moves I actually liked this year from the Flyers was picking up Kiefer Bellows and trying him out because he hasn't worked out. Yeah. He clearly doesn't have it, but you know what? You might as well it's find worth a out. shot. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth a shot. And, like, you know what? I, I will say, like, Chuck Fletcher was not horrible when it came to picking up guys off waiver. Like, Zach McEwen, waiver claim. And he, don't get me wrong, it's not like he was an incredible player for the Flyers, but, like, he played well on the fourth line at times. Um, and he became a fan favorite. I mean, everyone loved him. I don't think anybody said anything bad about Zach McEwen while he was a member of the Flyers. Zach McEwen was a lot of fun, and I never really liked Patrick Brown, but I never hated Patrick Brown, so I had that going for me. I guess there were two areas where you couldn't totally complain about Chuck Fletcher. I think his drafting was a little safe at times, but not necessarily bad. Like, I yeah. I, I actually didn't hate most of his picks. And the, the waiver pickups, like, some of the lower-level guys, with the exception of DeLaurier he actually was pretty good on like Justin Braun. We talked about, he was a good, like glue guy was C I, I assume sealer was a Fletcher pickup, right? Like sealer was a Fletcher up... pickup. He signed him in free agency in 2021. Yeah. Sealer ended up being pretty solid too. So like they, he was good in those kind of moves. Yeah. No, he, every once in a while he would pick up a guy and it's just like, Oh, like a, like just like an interesting, bottom of the barrel free agent or like a waiver claim. And like, sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't, but like, I appreciate taking those swings. Like the Kiefer Bellows one is an, ex is a perfect example. Like it has not worked out. Kiefer Bellows just, he's just not that good. He's just not an NHL player, but I'm very okay with them taking a swing and like seeing maybe if they can fix him, <laughs> you know? So I, I like moves like that. I think that's a responsible move. So I'll give Chuck Fletcher credit in that area. Clearing cap space, building through the draft, which we talked about, um, acquiring future assets. And this is a big one. Add players who can succeed in today's NHL. So the Rasmus Ristolainen signing them because they're big and physical, that is not how winning hockey teams are built now. Like, the Tyler Myers, the the Rasmus Ristolainen's, the, um, I don't know, like whoever else is just a big guy. Logan Stanley. Everyone was rumoring Logan Stanley could come to the Flyers if they traded JVR to the Jets. Um, it's just those types of players aren't what make good hockey teams now. Now, do they have a place in the NHL still? Yes, they do. But, like, I feel like the Flyers want their – they. 
it reminds me of a quote from Chip Kelly back when Chip Kelly was the Flyers um, head coach slash general manager. Wow, he was, like, he was the Flyers head coach? Or excuse me, Eagles head coach. Just slash fly, Flyers, fly. <laughs> Chip Kelly basically said, big people beat up little people. And like, that's just wrong. It, when it comes to sports, like sometimes like I think that's a people... great philosophy for an offensive line, but yes, that's I an agree. offensive line and a defensive line. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like sometimes like little people, it's a little more important to have smaller guys than bigger guys. And like, I guess NBA setters too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's one thing that I feel confident about when it comes to Briere, because like he wasn't a big guy when he played, he knows the, like the kind of, the way hockey needs to be played in order to succeed in the modern NHL. Um, Chuck Fletcher clearly did not. Um, Ron Hextall, obviously he didn't either. Um, Bobby Ron Clark, Hextall, Paul Holmgren. Man, you talk about a guy who could just clear cap space but couldn't do anything else. I'll say this. He did a great job at clearing cap space. He fulfilled his goal of clearing cap space. Yeah, He just didn't he know what could to do not, He could not evaluate. He could not evaluate like any talent to bring a team over the top. Like he, or he just wasn't even interested. Like I, I, the only move he's really made that has impressed me lately was Raquel in Pittsburgh. That one was pretty good, but otherwise like he's been really just lousy at evaluating NHL ready talent today. And like Paul Holmgren at one point, Paul Holmgren at one point was an awesome GM. At one point, he was fucking on fire. He built up that 2010 team. He made a lot of smart, ballsy moves to get that team into place. And a lot of that was building through the draft, building homegrown players, making smart moves. You think about Hartnell, Tiemannan. You think about Carter, Richards, Briere, Pronger. Like, he made a lot. Like, he brought on Briere. Like, Paul Holmgren was the one who signed him to that big, hefty contract because he saw the potential in a player that wasn't necessarily the biggest, but one of the most skilled guys in the league. Right, yeah. And, again, this is, even though he did well at that time building that team, that was almost 15 years ago, Steve. Oh, and, and at some point he completely lost his goddamn mind. You know, like yeah. there, there are two Paul Holmgrens. There might even be three Paul Holmgrens. The Paul Holmgren, when he was on fire as the Flyers GM, he that Paul Holmgren, I'm not sure he would survive making those types of moves in today's NHL because I feel like he would, right now, I feel like he'd be still looking for the Scott Hartnell type guy or, um, you know, players like that. And it's just like, you need to be, skilled and quicker in well, today's NHL. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he made a lot of smart. I think there's a difference. Like I really think when Paul Holmgren was given the blank slate, you know, where he was given permission to reboot a team, he did really well. It was once he had that team in place and then he needed to adjust the team. That's where he got into trouble. Like when he right, had yeah. his core pieces in Carter and Richards and was told to move those guys and to bring in Brizgalov like that. By the way, Brizgalov, I heard, is a prime candidate for Flyers president because they're already paying him. Yeah, why not? Let's bring Until him in. 2027. I'm going to miss that, by the way, when we change servers. Like every time we log in to Chorus for BSH, the top article is always the <laughs> scheduled Travis article for Ilya Briz. The Flyers can finally stop paying Ilya Brizgalov, scheduled for 2027. It makes me laugh every time I see it. We have to give Travis Hughes a headline 
or a byline for the new website. Absolutely. Whatever has to be done, we're getting it done. It's got to happen. Just for that one story. That's it. Just, just so that he one can, story. Yeah. Well, it's it's just like I'm waiting with eager anticipation. But like that was the moves where he started to get in trouble. But Paul Holmgren, I got to give Paul Holmgren credit because he is the one Flyers GM that has put together a successful team in the salary cap era. He's actually done it. Like the contracts are different now because they put the eight year cap on it. But he still made it work in the salary cap era and he still made it work in a speedier era uh, in a way that no other Flyers GM has really done it. You know, like he, he certainly had, you know, he had guys like Gagne on that team. He had guys like Carcillo on that team. Right. But he had a pretty solid, like first to fourth line. Like there really were only the only flaws on that team, really on that 2010 team were the third defensive pairing. The third defensive pairing was absolute horseshit with all apologies to Oscars, the Bart, but like the third defensive pairing was garbage, but you know what? That top four was rock solid. Right. Yeah. No, he did. I, I, I agree with you. He did some good things when he first took over as flyers GM, but like, I guess my point is, would you want him to be the GM of the flyers now? I wouldn't want current day Paul Holmgren, but if I could get that like 2008 Paul Holmgren, I actually might be okay with that because he made some smart, good moves. Like, I I think he had a better philosophy. Again, I don't know what happened to the guy. I don't know where that guy went in 2014, 15, 16, but like, you know, when he was at the top of his game, he was actually the kind of GM I want because he made these big, bold swings, but he also did a lot of smart little moves that made that team a competitor. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I just feel like right now, I feel like Danny Briere, it just, I feel like he knows better than anybody else what it takes to win in today's NHL. And that's why I feel like I would trust him more than any of the flyers, previous general managers, to bring in the type of talent necessary, you know, like to bring in more skill, something the Flyers haven't had since Giroux. I mean, I mean, aside from Giroux, what other skill, like truly high end skill players have the Flyers had like Couturier, but like he's like, he's more of an all around game. Yeah. He's not like like an electrifying offensive superstar type guy. Like the Flyers could use someone like that right about now. So yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm not scared really about what Briere could do. I feel like perhaps this is um, cautious optimism maybe, but I feel like he has the potential to make some good moves because he just, he's done it. He's done it as that type of player in the NHL. And you saw how great he was in the playoffs. Like in Chuck Fletcher would always say, Oh, just wait till wrist and gets to the playoffs. Yeah. He's big and strong. Like teams will hate playing against him. You know who teams hated playing against was Danny Briere. And now he's the guy running, calling shots for personnel reasons. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean when I say add players who can succeed in the modern NHL. And then the last thing on his to-do list, I think, is just to reduce the alumni involvement, which we've talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah. Get the, get the old guys out of the room. Like, I'm sorry, Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, Paul Holmgren are legends, but, like, they just... They don't belong anymore. I truly don't think they belong in, the, in an NHL front office. I think their time has come to take a step back and just kind of show their faces on alumni nights or whatever situations 
it could be. Listen, those guys are going around to the club boxes like every night. They're always yeah. laughing it up with people, having a great time. Like, just go do that or go to the lake, hang out, whatever works. Go to the cottage. Go to the cottage. Why are you still here? Lovely. I would be Why at the fucking cottage. Retire? I would absolutely be at the cottage if I was them. You know, like, and Dean Lombardi. Okay. I had enough of the Dean Lombardi. Somebody else will hire him. I don't yeah. want Dean Lombardi here anymore. Okay. Dean Lombardi, yeah. uh, you seem like a nice guy. It's no more. It's just, there's a lot of, there are a few things on Breer's kind of checklist as he gets started here, but I think, I, I think it, it seems like the team is willing to set him up for success. Um, we'll see how it goes with the president um, of hockey ops. I'm very curious to see who that is. Yeah. And I'm, you know, curious to see what kind of relationship they'll, he'll have with Briere and what kind of relationship they'll have with the alumni. Hopefully it's minimal. I would love for the alumni to not have any say in what the GM and president of hockey ops end up doing. Lock that door, lock that door. Yes. Hey, hey, hey. Well, I, I got to tell you folks, before we get off the Briere topic, I do have a fly purpley exclusive here. I have Chuck's parting gift for Danny Briere. Okay. Big news here. All right. You know, how presidents leave letters for the next guy. Apparently flyers GMs do that as well. And Chuck kept it short and sweet with Danny B. He, he wrote dearest Daniel. This is a betrayal of the highest order and it will not stand. I made you and I can break you sleep with one eye open. Charles multiple trades Fletcher. I must break you. Just strong words from Chuck Fletcher there. And he also left him a rock saying, suck it, much in the vein of uh, Michael Scott the Toby. So, you know, Chuck Fletcher, just a, a bitter, bitter departure, <laughs> departure from Chuck over there. Very classy stuff from Chuck. Truly classy stuff. All right, final topic of the night, because I know Quiggs has gotten very little sleep. He's got miles to go. We got to get out of here, but we got one more topic we got to talk about. And that's Sean Couturier, the Coots man, Mr. Chestnut Checkers himself. Coots is skating again. Which normally would make me excited, but it actually fills me with a bottomless pit of dread. Me too. It's, this is an interesting debate because like, on one hand, it's been over a year, almost a year and a half since Sean Couturier last played in a hockey game. Um, and would it be good for him to come back and like, you know, kind of get his legs back? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would. But why bother doing that now when the Flyers are about to have the entire summer off anyway? Like, what would be the benefit? He's just going to have to get his legs back in training camp regardless. So I feel like the best thing for him would be to just rehab as much as possible be as safe as you possibly can this is a back injury it's not like this is a fucking wrist this is a back injury you don't fuck with back injuries back injuries are some of the worst shit you can go through i i'm just i want to be really cautious with couturier for selfish reasons one because i love couturier watching him play is great he's so good at shutting down any other player um but I feel like the Flyers, from their perspective, like, imagine he comes back and he screws up his back. He takes a hit the wrong way. Like, granted, that could happen next season, too. And it would have similar consequences. But you know what? Like, I I would do everything possible to make sure he is 120% before putting him back out there for a actual regular season NHL game. It's good that he's skating. 
Great. Love that. Continue to skate. Continue practicing with the team. But I don't know if, if putting him on the ice this season would be great because he's just going to go on a several-month pause anyway because of the offseason. Right. Not, not only is there that pause, but also the fact that I, I feel like there's a difference between gearing up and going through training camp and then starting to play games, like playing preseason games and then playing a full, real, regular season NHL game versus practicing a little bit and then playing games at the end of an NHL season when everybody is in playing shape and going full speed. Like, I, I feel like there is more risk for him that way. I could be completely wrong. I'm not a fucking sports doctor. Not by any means. But I, I certainly feel like there's more risk involved with putting him into a full speed game now after he's been out of it for so long. Like, I know he's not going to be the same. I know he's going to kick off a ton of rust. But the fact is, like, he hasn't played in a while and these guys have been playing... You know, if he comes back at the end of the season, these guys have played 70 plus games already and just getting back into the flow of that. I feel like there's more risk of him getting hurt that way. And I don't want him to get hurt. I want this guy to come back strong. Like I, I desperately, if the Flyers have any hope of doing anything in the next two or three seasons, it's as Sean Couturier is a healthy, active hockey player. He doesn't even have to be exactly the player he used to be. But if he's 75% of the old Couturier, that's a fantastic hockey player. I will take 75% yeah. of Couturier. I just don't want to see him get hurt again. Agreed. And now, granted, you mentioned if the Flyers have, have want any hope of competing the next two, three years. I don't think that's happening regardless. I mean, I'm talking a playoff but, spot, which, frankly, you can do. Because yeah, yeah. eight teams yeah. get in in each conference. You know, you can get in a playoff spot. I'm not talking about competing for a cup, but I'm talking about getting into the dance, which puts asses in the seats, gets money for the old owner's box and all that bullshit. You know, like that at least has people interested and injects some fun into Flyers hockey. Yeah, I know it's better for the Flyers. They lose, lose, lose for the next couple of years and get a bunch of great draft picks and get some talent. But, you know, if they are a team that hopes to at least make the playoffs at some point in the next two or three years, you need Sean Couturier back. Right. Yeah. And now granted, I don't think that's what the Flyers have planned for the next couple of years. Like based off of what Danny Briere is saying, it it sounds like this is absolutely going to be a multi, he said multi-year process. This is going to be a rebuild. I'm not sure that's what the Flyers are even gunning for right now. Um, but it would be good to see Sean Couturier back 120% healthy because he's good at hockey and the Flyers need someone to be good at hockey because it feels like right now the best player on the team at this exact moment might literally be Owen Tippett. It feels that way because Travis Konechny's hurt. He's out for the rest of the year, it feels like. Oh, well, he's skating yeah. right now, so he might be back. But like with Travis Konechny out, it's Owen Tippett. It, it actually has to be Owen Tippett. And uh, weirdly, Tortorella and... I are in agreement on this. So per a Charlie tweet the other day, Tortorella said that he prefer Couturier to start fresh next season, but he said Couturier is out of his mind because he can't play. If he's fully cleared health wise, they'll have that discussion. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't blame Coots. I mean, I'd be going crazy too. But. Sure. Well, yeah, well, the thing is athletes want to be out there and that's why they cover up these injuries. That's why Sean Couturier scored a hat trick after he tore every muscle in his leg, right? Because yeah. he's a competitor and he wants to be out there. And these big sports machines want to do this. They, they don't want people to say no, but people have to say no to them. Right? No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And you know, it's, it's the same thing when like at the end of the season, you hear all these injuries that players play with. Like I remember 
Wayne Simmons at the end of every year the Flyers made the playoffs, you would hear about all the just absurd things he was playing through. And it's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> why don't you just, why don't you just like, yeah, like I get it, it's the playoffs, but dude, think of your health for God's sake. I, I don't know. I, like, to me, I feel like it's, granted, would it be beneficial for for Couturier to come back and play a couple of games before the end of the regular season? Could be. It very well could be, but it also could very well not be good for him too. So I don't know. I, I just want to play it safe with Couturier. Am I right for thinking that? Maybe not. I have no idea, but that's just kind of my feeling on it. Listen, we have watched this guy grow from before he could grow a proper beard into this man he is now, okay? He's like a child to us. We don't want to see our child get hurt again. No, it's not fun. We, no one wants to see that. Leave my large adult a son alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you mentioned the word rebuild, and that takes us to our final segment of the night, and that's yet again another taking it to the beats taking it to the beats yes it's time to dunk on slam and sammy carcidi again sam carcidi with maybe the most abysmal flyers headline i've seen all season which is (laughs) he set the bar like he's a limbo champ because the bar has never been lower this this headline from mid-atlantic ice puck sport now said (laughs) danny briere Flyers interim GM uses R word welcomes the challenge. I get what he was going for there, but holy shit. It's literally the worst way he could have phrased that. Yeah. It's and and at that point, it's just like it's clickbait at that point. Either. (laughs) So one of two things happened here. Either he has just no self-awareness, which like that's 99% the possibility and also just probably just as possible is he was just searching for clicks because that's how that site runs. They want all the clicks in the world and whatever it takes to get those clicks, you do it. And I wouldn't be shocked if it was a mixture of both of those things. Folks, we need our brotherly love hockey now, not later. Now, right now, right Right now, now. right fucking now. Get that hockey in my face. You motherfuckers get it in my face. Fucking now. I cannot believe that he, he used this. Like, it's so bad. It's also the, it's the terminology, right? He uses our word. Welcomes oh, yeah. the challenge. Like, what, what are you trying to insinuate here? <laughs> what are you saying? That, yeah. Good Lord. Like, rebuild is not... <laughs> it actually took me a minute when I saw the headline. And I'm like, well, I know he doesn't mean that R word. But I know. what could he actually mean? And it took me a minute. I'm like, oh, he means rebuild. Why would he phrase it like it? Just it's so asinine and bizarre. And it's just it's so perfect for a Sam Carcini headline. Like it is. There's an art to this, honestly. At this point, like he is actually an artist. He is just a <laughs> genius, a next level genius at coming up with stuff that blows my mind. He's uh. Yeah, he's mastered it. I feel like uh, I, the only thing that story was missing was a picture of the TV. Yeah, sadly, it had a professional Zach Hill picture there, and it didn't have, like... <laughs> Here's the thing, Sam. If you're going to take a picture of your TV, 
crop that shit. Take it from a proper angle, okay? I've taken a few TV pictures for Twitter.com. It happens sometimes. It's a lot easier than trying to get around some of these, like, services restrictions on screenshots, right? They don't, it's not as easy as it used to be. But you gotta get it the right angle, okay? And he's just taking it from his couch. It's, like, got off-shade blue lighting. It's from, like, a side <laughs> angle. And you're using this for the picture on your hockey website. People want their good hockey images now. Like, I would prefer a drawing, a handmade drawing in crayon of the scene than that awkward TV picture he's taking. That would be genius, honestly. I'm going to offer these services for the website moving forward because we're not going to have the same photo access that we We're still going to have some great photos. Don't get me wrong, folks. But... In certain cases, you know, if anybody wants from the website, from broadstreethockey.com, I am available to hand draw you whatever image you want for your headline photo. We have a little bit of breaking news. Well, oh, wow. I guess not technically breaking news because it is being reported by John Clark, but John Clark is reporting. From the I'm airport? It is, from the airport. I'm told it is likely Big Play Slay will be staying with the Eagles. Good news. Excellent. Because they released him, but I guess this was all just try and get a new contract, right? Well, they didn't release him. They said they were going to. Then the 4 p.m. The league year started at 4 p.m. and they didn't release him. Well, that's... And it's like, well, why are they not releasing him? And it's probably because the two sides came to some sort of an agreement. Good news. Hopefully they restructured that contract because if they can come back with most of the same players from last year, I feel very good about the next season. Like we thought we were going to lose Bradbury. We're probably going to lose CJ Gardner Johnson because like he was fucking good last year and he deserves a lot of money. But if we only lose a few players and like, like they lost TJ Edwards, the Kobe Dean's going to step in there. Like I feel very good about this team moving forward. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think uh, having Bradbury back, I think is really big really really big it's I, very big. i'm a big fan of james bradbury he's not a flashy corner he he reminds me a little bit of sheldon brown where like he's not like this flashy guy who makes a ton of like interceptions and gets a shitload of pick sixes or anything like that but like he's he's just good solid in coverage um yeah i'm a big big bradbury fan gotta have a solid duo over there if you could have a solid duo corner you're gonna win a lot of games Go birds. Go birds. Absolutely go birds. And all right, folks. I think that's it. We got to let Quig sleep. He needs that sleep. I'm off tomorrow so I can stay up all fucking night. Let's stay stay up late with Steve for some steamy hockey talk. Flyers after dark, baby. Flat purpley after dark. All night long. All night. Folks, that's it. That's it. That's all there is. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is I'm coming out. I malfunction error quigs where can people find you on twitter you can find me on twitter at ryan quigs with a z thank you you've been pumping out a lot of content a lot of tangy tent for broadstreethockey.com these days anything you want to plug ah a lot of game recaps a lot of good game coverage um and lots of just analysis of um you know the the general manager situation um aforementioned story about the five things on Danny uh, Briere's to-do list. You can check that out. Um, you can check out my other story. Oop, excuse me. I just burped in the middle of talking. 
<laughs> Sorry. You can uh, talk about my story about Danny Breer admitting that the Flyers are rebuilding. Yeah, there's some uh, good stuff coming out from here. Um, myself um, and some of the other rock stars, um, Thomas Williams. Um, uh, God, so many. Italian Joe, of course, always killing it. So, Italian yeah, Joe. Check out the stuff. Italian Joe. Good stuff. Absolutely. Great, great crew. Everybody rocks over at BSH. And speaking of BSH, by the way, well, number one, before I do this, uh, Flyperbole on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Esteban on Twitter if you want non hockey shit, whatever. I don't really post that much these days. Whatever. Follow stuff. Great. But. I wanted to say we got a couple little things coming up for BSH. So first off, we are going to be at the Flyers Carnival later this month on the 26th. Woo! So look out for us there if you are there. And a couple couple people might be in the dunk tank. Not I, but other people of interest might be in there. So definitely worth noting. So if you're at the carnival, come say hi. Love to talk to you. We'll be doing a little podcast work from there. Going to be a lot of fun. And then... I'm driving up several hours from Virginia to be at this carnival to see you all. So you better fucking show up. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't I'm, have to. Oh, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there and I'm getting up at like 6 a.m. to get there. So if you're not there, if you're listening to this and you don't show up to that carnival, you suck. <laughs> this guy doesn't drink coffee. So this is a hell of a sacrifice on his part. Yeah, it is. Wow. I just drink pure cocaine. <laughs> you drink it. Form. Yeah, liquid form. How? What? <laughs> Do you, you put in water drink, or something? Do you remember that drink, Vault? Uh, vault? 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 I thought it was Vault. A no, vault, vault is what you store money in. Oh, no, 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 no. Excuse me. Um, a vault is what Vin Diesel steals and yeah. drags through the streets of Rio de Janeiro. Wait, hold on. Uh, Hold on. Was it Vault? It's Vault. Yeah, it was Vault. Yeah. Like, high voltage. Well, no, it's Vault. It's pronounced, it's spelled V-A-U-L-T. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Vault. Okay, well, I guess I was wrong. I always thought it was Volt. Vault was awesome. Why was it called Vault? I don't know. That's a good question. Like, Volt makes sense. Because, like, a volt of high energy, voltage yeah. of energy. Yes, but the, I, I, are you sure that's an A? Yeah, I'm looking at the bottle right now. Okay. Vault was the shit. It's a shame that it no longer exists. I, I don't think you're right. But okay, I'm just going to believe at, you. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm I, looking at it right now. Are you sure that's an A? That looks like an O to me. It's V-A-U-L-T. V-A-U-L-T. Okay, well, I think we're thinking of different things then, so I don't Look know. Up, so there's, I think there's also a vault. You need some energy? Go to the vault. Yeah, yeah, go to the vault. <laughs> Weird. Okay, well, we just uh, we just learned something there. But anyway, Quakes doesn't drink coffee, so he's just going to have to subsist on uh, apparently his liquid cocaine, whatever just that might do be. do drugs. And, yeah, yeah, just do, do drugs. drugs on the highway. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it right there. Highway Patrol certainly approves of that. Oh, uh, yeah. anyway, Carnival. So after that, okay, after that, BSH relaunch is happening. We're having a little tailgate party. It's going to be... A lot of fun. That's over in April. I believe it's the 9th before the Phillies-Reds game. Kelly misspelled Cincinnati on the flyer. It was hilarious. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Phil's game that day, Flyers game later that day. Going to be a lot of fun. I will definitely be there. I'm going to have stickers at both events, so if you show up, you'll definitely get a flight sticker if you see me. Although, I will be in disguise. Who knows? I might be in the gritty costume. Who is to say? Could be. Yeah. But I'm going to have stickers, okay? Uh, maybe other stuff. I'm probably going to be too lazy to get any other merch, but stickers are easy, so I will have stickers for all. I, that's good because I need some stickers, some extra stickers. Oh, you got unlimited stickers, Quakes. Yes. Thank <laughs> God. All right, folks. So anyway, two events coming up. Be sure to check those out. We mentioned all the social media and that's it. That's it. That's all there is. As I already said, this show, I'm running out of material. I'm running out of energy. All right. We appreciate and love you all so very much. Stay with us here for all of your Danny Briere and Flyers GM news moving forward. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and... Good hockey. Wow, 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 It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stro showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports Channel. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.